on this edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportster.com. We're going to talk all things SummerSlam, Raw and SmackDown, The Fiend, in-ring debut, the return of Sasha Banks, and a little bit about AEW and a signing that they did. That is this edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportster.com. Welcome to another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast, presented by thesportster.com. As always, we are joined by Brandon on the other line. Brandon, how are you? Doing great, Jim. What's going on? Oh, not much. Uh, as we talk about every week, almost, we uh, try to squeeze in some time to get about a 45 minutes to an hour's worth of wrestling chat in each week, and this is no different. You are on the road this time, where I was on the road uh, not long ago, so uh, I, I don't know if you're just coming back from work or transitioning from one location to another but i'm glad that we uh were able to squeeze you in yeah it's a really really busy weekend and everything so they uh this is like the best possible time and it's also it still happens to be busy so here we are well there you go well there's a lot to go through in wwe not so much in aew right now but there's lots happening in wwe that we should probably chat about last week we did our SummerSlam prediction show which was pretty fun and kind of cool. And SummerSlam came and went. Uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto came and went. And there were some pretty awesome things to come out of both pay-per-views. I don't know, man. What should I do? What should I Do you want me to start with what was your take from the weekend? What was your high spot moment of the weekend? Was it from NXT TakeOver? Was it from SummerSlam? What, what did you enjoy the most this weekend? I mean, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. <laughs> it's what I expected going into it. It's what... Uh... That's what impressed me the most coming out of it, too. Just what a match. That's three in a row now where these people just put on just incredible matches. Yeah, I figured that might be your answer. That was a good one, too. The two out of three falls match. Uh, I got wind early on Saturday morning that uh, there was going to be a cage involved. That was pretty cool. The, yeah. It wasn't just a cage. It was like a death trap weapons sort of cage. I guess my only disappointment was when he opened the bag, there wasn't a bunch of thumbtacks in there. But, no, no, um, that was really shocking to me that <laughs> I fully expected that. I was also, it's funny when you look at the cage and you think of all the weapons that were there, and then you compare that to the uh, unsanctioned, whatever the match was with uh, Janela and uh, and uh, Moxley, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you're like, well, very, very, very different outcomes. Whereas one was as bloody as possible, this one wasn't. Which yeah, I'm not no, this, with. this was, was good. I mean, there's some, some people coming away from this match going, that last move where they jumped off the corner of the cage and through the tables uh, was kind of cool, but almost like weird in a way because they just sort of jumped. Like it was set yeah, up it wasn't that like they thrown. just it said, oh, let's like, just jump through the tables. Yeah. Neither of them like threw each other off. They both just jumped by themselves almost, which I mean, you can't be perfect when you're doing a match, especially to be fair. The first fall lasted like 25 minutes, so they couldn't have been you know, full of energy at that point. So they, you yeah. can't expect perfection. But yeah, I mean, it could have been better, but also it could have been worse. Yeah, the, no, the no, it was a good match. Not the, getting hurt, right? Yeah, the pay-per-view was good. It wasn't, to me, the same level of NXT pay-per-views that we've become accustomed to now. It was typically every pay-per-view that you watch is like five-star match after five-star match after five-star match, and yeah. they just get better and better and better. That didn't really happen on Saturday. There were a number of matches that I, I 
could have done without. They were good, but they weren't great. Um, the women's match I didn't think was wonderful, um, but there were there's some good matches too. The Roderick Strong Velveteen Dream Pete Dunn match, which we thought was going to be good, was good. Um, really the Johnny good. Gargano Adam Cole match was great. It just wasn't necessarily at the level that we've become used to with these NXT pay-per-views. Would you agree or no? Yeah, I would say that both about this and SummerSlam. I thought they both had some really good moments, but in general, they were both kind of, I just guess, generally weak compared to what they could have been. So the one thing I want to ask you, though, about NXT TakeOver before we move on to SummerSlam was, I don't know if you caught wind of the video that came out on the internet afterwards, but Johnny Gargano looked like he was saying goodbye to NXT. I don't know if you saw this or not, but he, no, I you know how they, they get that that respect to the guys at the end of the matches where the crowd goes crazy and they stand and mm-hmm. wave and Candice Lurie came out and joined him. And then he waved and walked up to the ramp and then William Regal came out and shook his hand and they kind of waved again to the crowd. It was almost like that feeling of I'm leaving, even though there was no buzz around that at all. Do you get the sense that he's taken off or this was just a respect thing? I mean, it would be cool if he got called up again, right? The thing is, is we know he could put on five-star matches at NXT. I'm just so scared of how they're going to use him on the main roster because we know he's going to be a cruiserweight or he's going to be just a mid-carder who maybe gets TV time. At NXT, you know he's going to be a star, right? So if the option is main roster or NXT, I think the money and the exposure on the main roster is great. I think being able to put on five-star matches on NXT is probably better. Then again, he won't be in the main event. I mean, I assume you've got to transition somewhere else at some point, right? So he's got to kind of like take a step back. And he's carried... He, I mean, we, you don't really talk about it. Johnny Gargano has been the face of NXT for over a year, right? Him and Champa had that huge feud, and now you have this feud with Adam Cole. Johnny Gargano really has been like the flag bearer. He's like the next, you know, Finn Balor uh, role. Bobby Roode had it. Shinsuke's had it. Kevin Owens. So these guys, a lot of them, have gone on to like big success. But Johnny Gargano doesn't seem like the, the guy that will have that kind of success in the main roster. I hope he does, but maybe this is the, you know, maybe that was a curtain call for him. Well, that that success and his carrying the flag for them is kind of why I'm surprised by this whole thing. We talked about it last week that there's buzz around NXT moving to FS1 on Fox and, and yeah. coming off WWE Network and getting you know network cable. And you need some guys in that promotion that are going to be carrying the flag for you. At this point, if that's all accurate, why would you move Gargano off of the roster? That doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like Keep four or five guys, whether it's Cole or Velveteen Dream or Johnny Gargano or whomever and have them carry that brand so when they go to the Fox, they're prime and ready to go. If you move your guys off of the, the roster before then, then you gotta you got to build them up again. So I was a little surprised by that, but we don't have any definitive answer whether or not Gargano's moving or not. It just looked that way, but there's been no reports, and he didn't show up on Raw or SmackDown. So. It also could be a matter of keeping NXT what it is, so you want to keep it fresh, right? If you keep the same guys there forever, it then becomes stale. So if you always have the constant movement and development like that, it still becomes it's still NXT. Uh, I, I know we're saying like some of like the main roster guys like Hawkins and Ryder and like even like honestly Breeze and Fandango, they're gonna want to go back to NXT and stuff. I think that's fine. But if you want to talk about like your your main guys on the show, they have to be like the up and coming and constantly moving and shuffling around. Not constantly, but in like every few months. But NXT is so good because you have the build up for a year for some pay per views. Uh, you know, like the, the Champa and Gargano thing, or even like Gargano and Cole, which, I mean, they've been working for 10 years together. So you have all these people that work for, uh, forever, and these the storylines that, that build and build and build, and then after they're done, you've got to move on. You can't keep it stale. So I think that maybe some people will get kept there, some people that wouldn't, like, prosper in the main roster, but if they think Gargano actually could be a player, then yeah, I think you call him up. Yeah. Well, we'll just see. I mean, it's going to happen... Um 
eventually. It's just whether or not it happens right now. So let's let's move on to SummerSlam. Um, there was a number of moments, a bunch of guys that weren't even on the show, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Um, There's just a bunch of people that weren't there. What was your takeaway moment from SummerSlam, that one thing that you were like, I mean, there was a lot to come out of it, only one title change, but what was your moment from SummerSlam that you were like, whoa, that was awesome? There's, there's actually, a, see, that's the thing I was saying. I was, I was disappointed with the show, but you asked me that question, and there should be one obvious answer, but there are a few pretty big things that happened. Also, I mean, my obvious answer is The Fiend, right? It has to be. That entrance was fantastic. We were saying, how could this guy take bumps and still, like, you know, and still be built the way he's being built? He took bumps. It was like one or two, and it was really minor, but he took bumps, and he still looked super strong. So maybe they found the formula, like, and, like, maybe Bray Wyatt just, there's gold with him right now. Right, like we thought, as soon as he debuts, it's going to be tough, and obviously having longer matches with him is going to be really tough. So it's going to have to transition into something else. But for now, protect him and make like this kind of squash match. And that's the thing; it wasn't even a huge squash match. Like Finn Balor didn't look horrible in the match; it was definitely a squash. But Balor didn't look like he was, you know, he didn't lose in 17 seconds. Right, so it, it was a good match. But just that entrance in general was really, really good, and the crowd was saying, "This is awesome!" Before they even touched. What was your favorite part about it? I don't know. I mean, there were so many good things to come out of it between the remixed entrance music, the, the lighting, the fireflies were still there, the lantern head. I mean, what was your favorite part? I, I can't pick all of it. The lantern uh, also stood out because if they... Yeah, the lantern head, way, but, lantern head for me... And the music as well, like you said. Unbelievable. The music was so good. Yeah, that, that head thing was so cool. And we'll get into that in a second, but... Yeah, you're right. The uh, The match itself was essentially a squash match, but it wasn't like such a squash match that it was like Goldberg versus Ziggler. Um, it just it was well done. The entrance was good. Even the finish where he... I, here's the thing I don't love. I don't love the Mandible Claw. I don't understand yeah. the fascination with WWE going back to some of these old school finishers like Kevin Owens using the stunner. Uh, there was even a... What was it? The sharpshooter or something? Or the people's elbow where one of the guys from the Street Profits pretended that he was going to do the people's elbow on NXT TakeOver. Like, there's just this fascination with WWE going back to this. And now Wyatt the Fiend is using the mandible claw that Mankind made famous. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand why they're doing it. And I'm not really sure the reasoning behind it. But it takes away, for me, from the guys. Yeah, because so it's very, obviously, a nostalgic act at that point, right? Like, you're very clearly trying to get a cheap pop. The only yeah. thing I'll say is the people's elbow makes sense to me because we've seen, uh, like, he kept saying, like, finally, and then he's like, no, no, we don't do that. So that's kind of, again, just like a, a throwback to what yeah, they're saying with, like, teasing the rock stuff. Yeah, he didn't actually do it. He just teased it. but Which is what they've been doing with, like, the promos and stuff, too. So it's uh, it makes sense. But, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the stunner was cool once, and then it kind of, you know, doing it every single time, it, it's stupid. Also, the pump-up power on such a good move. So why would you want to switch that as your finisher? Um, yeah. The Mandible Claw, I mean, Sister Abigail isn't a great finisher, but also, at least it's unique. No one else has it. Uh, yeah, I agree. The Mandible I'm fine with it, but I think that it shouldn't be his go-to. Yeah, especially when his go-to, well, I don't know what they call it, the, um, oh, what was his, what's his finisher move called? The Bray Wyatt thing where he, like, kisses your forehead and then puts you down. Like, that's such a good move, right? I don't, I don't know why you get rid of it. But I'll tell you, that match was had some cool stuff in it. Even some of the little things we've been talking about with the Firefly Funhouse videos, all the intricacies that they put into these videos that people don't notice. I don't know if you noticed it or not in the match, but at the end of it, when he turned around, he sort of was half standing there to turn around and face the camera. Did you notice the bottom teeth on his mask were missing? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, like 
that was clearly done on purpose because he had also, the teeth there. It's not like they fell off. They had yeah. the teeth there through the entire match, and then all of a sudden when he turned around in that strobe light, kind of black light that he did at the end, they were gone. So I was like, well, they did that on purpose. I don't know why, but it's just something else that you can attach to and go, huh, I wonder why they did that. It just makes you talk about him, right? Yeah, and then the... Uh, Oh, I was say something I remember. Uh, there was also what was I saying you're saying the uh, the teeth, right? The yeah. mask. Oh yeah, eyes were his eyes. I thought they were like just part of like the mask, and you could like see through something else in the mask. I didn't realize they were like contact lenses or whatever. Oh, you mean his eyes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when no, he blinked, I... I was like, wait a second. I just I didn't, never processed it for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. I had somebody ask me while I was watching the show that doesn't typically watch wrestling, and they said, are those contacts? Like, he doesn't wrestle with those in there, does he? And I'm like, yeah, he does, actually. Same with Rey Mysterio and, and some other people who have those yeah, in while they're these wrestling. these are intense. Jeff Hardy has as well, like, really, like, crazy. Usually. Yeah. But these ones are, are ridiculous. <laughs> so here's my question, and we we approached it a little bit at the beginning. We're going to talk about it right now. Well, what What's your take on the idea that – when they put the YouTube video content of his entrance on YouTube after the pay-per-view was over, there was no imagery of the lantern head at all. It sounded like... There was Monetization issues? What's that? Monetization issues, I guess. Because if Maybe. you have anything like that where it's, like, decapitated and stuff, you uh, you risk... I mean, to be fair, WWE doesn't need the pro- the money from... Uh, from uh, YouTube? YouTube, yeah. Like that's, that's not going to be a major revenue stream for them. If they lose that on one video, it's it's whatever. But at the same time, the controversy, like you said, could be there. They're family friendly, so if you put something like if you have the WWE Network, all bets are off. You can be a little more. Um, it's not network television at that point, right? This is your own network. You can kind of push the line a little bit more when you're talking about the um, the network and the stuff they put on their own brand. But if you're talking about something on like an openly, easily accessible. Uh, platform like on, on raw on smackdown or on youtube for example or on social media you've got to be really careful because there will be backlash just because people love to complain uh personally yeah. like i said i loved it i thought that the lantern was so cool and it really shows they're pulling out i don't know if wwe is helping with this or if like he is really just bray wyatt pulling out all the stops to get this done i'm sure there's there's writers backstage that are like hey like we're gonna make sure that we help you out with this but i'm sure wyatt himself has done a huge job of just getting everything done perfectly he seems to be the kind of guy who's just very like attention to detail and like meticulous about that kind of stuff. So uh, we've talked about it since the first Firefly Funhouse, but I mean every single thing about this this character, it, it was it was I don't want to say it was getting stale, but it was like okay, well when's he going to debut and how's it going to work? And now that he finally it finally happened, it's just perfect. But yeah, you were saying that it's missing. And, yeah. And do you th- think that's a good thing or a bad thing that it's missing from YouTube and stuff? Well, I'm sure I agree with you that it was a YouTube thing. I know that people ran away with it and said, oh, my God, they're not going to keep the lantern head. They're rethinking this. It's not PG. We better make sure that we don't use it anymore. And then everybody was like, oh, whatever. And I, I was the same way, too. I'm like, man, this is like a merchandising gold mine for these guys, like between action figures and toys and all this other sh- I mean, this thing is going to sell like crazy. Why would you get rid of it? And That's I'm sure so that it's just, <laughs> it's just strictly YouTube, right? Like they, sure. they probably saw it or knew that it was coming and said, no, you can't carry the head of Bray Wyatt around with you. You know, it, even though it's a lantern, it looks really realistic. Like the same guy, I guess, who helped make his mask, helped make this thing. Yeah, for sure. It, it's so realistic, like between the, the eyes being stitched shut and the mouth wide open with the lantern. I mean, the hair probably was real hair. Like it's just... It's really cool, and you, the effects and detail and time that went into this thing 
is unbelievable. You know, like they they specifically took time to make this, and I I would be really kind of disappointed if they got rid of it. But I don't think they are, from what I can see right now. And they posted yesterday on their social media page a picture of the fiend holding the head on Twitter. So they're clearly not getting rid of it. Yeah. Uh, and Wyatt today posted a photo of himself just admiring that image that they put up. He's like, can you get a load of that or whatever it was that he said. So they're not getting rid of it. Um, but I don't think we'll see it on YouTube. I don't think we'll ever see it on YouTube. And I'll I'll be surprised, to be honest, if we see it on anything other than entrances for pay-per-views. I don't I imagine agree. that he'll bring it down to the match uh, on Raw. I don't think that we'll see it if he's in the ring for any just showing up to take out whomever he takes out next. Yeah, I, I think he's going to save that thing. Yep. 100%. And I think that Bray Wyatt right now, if they're smart, they give him as much creative control as they can. Because like I said, I'm pretty sure he's a huge, huge, huge part of any... I'm sure he has like full creative control almost over his gimmicks and his promos right now. Um, and obviously, they have to figure out where it fits in the show. But I'm sure they're giving him a lot of creative control for like any decisions that go into this character. And it's working. We, we know the guy's a genius, right? Like We know he's very smart in the business. And he, he's obviously got a darker... Uh, personality as far as like his character work goes and he's executed it perfectly and then to add in the the good side of Wyatt like the the yaoi wowie stuff and everything which by the way the crowd was chanting yaoi wowie and not chanting anything else so like they, they've immediately adapted this new character they played the part perfectly um yeah just just great the, that was definitely the the biggest takeaway from the from the show i think but there were yeah. other really good moments like there were some really high spots and like shocking stuff and let me tell you, again, I was convinced that Ziggler wasn't going to win. Like, I, I reconvinced myself that he wasn't going to win. But then he yeah. hit that super kick. I was like, wait a second. I mean, I know this is nothing, but, like, it's still cool that he got to move out. Then he hit the second super kick, and I was like, hang on. <laughs> What's going on here? And uh, then he lost. Yeah, it was a good way to do that match, actually. If you're going to do a squash match, give it just a glimmer of hope that Ziggler could pull it out. And then let Goldberg do what he's going to do, which is what we all figured he was going to do anyway. I'll tell you, the best part of that match for me was that I caught I caught wind on Twitter that Matt Riddle was in the watch along room as the match was happening. So mm -hmm. that was the only part of the show that I actually muted the pay per view and watched the watch along while that match was happening. Riddle was hilarious. Like he's sitting in there with Pat McAfee, he's talking about the match. I guess he ran into Goldberg backstage just before the match happened, and they had like this tense awkward moment between the two of them where he's like bro it's all good and Goldberg's like I'm not your bro and they uh -huh. filmed the whole they don't film the whole thing so at some point I'm wondering if WWE's going to release this thing but Riddle was in there talking about it. Do you it. think this is a work this yes. whole thing? Yes. Like they, they don't hate each other there's no way. I don't, I don't think Riddle I don't think Riddle likes him. Sure I don't think I don't, I don't think Riddle likes him I don't think Goldberg cares and I don't think I, I'm sure Riddle one way or another is like whatever like I think he he's like you you talked about it last week. He just who doesn't care. He's just so nonchalant about stuff. So to see him like care so much about this is really funny to me. Well, he he's an opportunity seeker, right? Like he goes out and he looks for the hot commodity guys, like Brock Lesnar. He calls out Brock Lesnar, Goldberg. He's back. He's everybody's talking about. Him. He calls out Goldberg. You know, he's got that MMA background. Even though I don't know that he was all that terribly successful in MMA, but. Well, he didn't last long enough, but he was he's really good. Like yeah. he, he was very good in MMA as well. Well, I think part of the issue was that his Weed. yeah, his pot smoking and all that other stuff kind he's of also got got a very having a career there, personality. But, like Dana right. uh, Dana White hated him. He's like you're never going to work again in this industry. Like you're you're just you're too hard to work with. And then yes. uh, he now then he became a wrestling star. 
But he's and taking advantage he's already, of it on a, plat, a platform that allows him to do so, right? Like, he, he's sure. calling out these guys at perfect timing, and then they're catching wind. I don't know if WWE's behind it or if they're just letting him run with it or what's going on and whether or not they'll like Nothing came out of Riddle versus Brock Lesnar, and who knows? Nothing might come out of Riddle versus Goldberg, but it sounds like they're keeping Goldberg around. At least that's the buzz. And Riddle obviously wants to take advantage of that, although there's no talk of him moving out of the NXT roster and onto the main roster, so I don't know when that would happen. Was um, Goldberg versus Matt Riddle on the debut episode of FS1. Easy. Yep. Yeah, they could definitely do that. I didn't know about Matt Riddle doing that. You told me about it like after the match, when I was like, like I just don't understand. And you told me about it, and I was like, well, that's unfortunate, because in my mind, when it, you know when there's like the huge setup for the jackhammer that lasted like a minute of, of him just like walking around and setting up for it? I was like, I kept saying, like, just play the music. Just play Riddle's music. Because, like, it would have been so great if Bro just hit all of a sudden, and then, like, he comes out, and that was it. That's the, the, the moment. And then Ziggler wins. But it yeah. just never happened. They just, like, they they made a 17-second a, a segment last 10 minutes, including the intro promos that, that Ziggler had and the promos after where he kept yelling at, at, uh, at Goldberg after the fact, which, to be fair... I thought that was the bright spot of the entire segment, which, I mean, to, like you said, you didn't hear it probably because you were watching it on mute. But uh, after the fact, when he just kept, like, calling him out and egging him on, I thought it was really good. Ziggler's really, really good on the mic. He's really, really good in the ring. He's the full package superstar, and I can't believe they don't use him. But anyway, that's the last four weeks of content. Let's move on from Dalton Ziggler to some other match. Well, well the one last <laughs> thought I have on Ziggler is that they clearly are doing something with this talking after he gets the crap kicked out of him. Because yeah. he did it against The Miz on Raw, and he got beat, and then he t- trash-talked him anyway. So there's something here. They're doing what they're – I don't know what they're doing with it, but they are doing something. And so Ziggler's getting that, whatever. There's also some word that – on I don't know how true the story is, but that he's you know requested his release or what, and they just I – mean, he's not giving it to him. So um, they have a plan for him, I think, and I don't know what exactly that plan is, but it looks like it includes him losing – and then talking about how he's still the best, even though he's losing. So he's going to be the the biggest smack-talking jobber, I guess, in WWE. That's awesome. what it at least appears to be. That makes me sound so much you know, better every week when I get to say, oh, he lost, but at least he got a good promo. Like, yeah, he's talking trash on his way down. Um, okay, so the, the last thing I think we should probably talk about before we move on to Ron SmackDown is the fact that Seth Rollins is now, again, the Universal Champion, the only title to change hands. He beat Brock Lesnar. I was a little surprised by this. I didn't think that Rollins was going to win. I thought they would keep it on Lesnar. But, um, you know, Lesnar beats everybody, except he can't seem to beat Rollins. That's the That was match. actually a really good match. This is like, twice. I, I, I kind of buried match. it. I, I, I didn't think, first of all, I thought Ziggler versus Goldberg was stupid. I thought this match would be okay. This match was actually really, really, really good. Like, I was entertained. The finish was like, wow, that's actually it, it, clean win. Like, yeah. there, no way you could have expected that. No way you could have expected a clean win for Seth Rollins over Brock Lesnar like a month after he lost the title. That's just, I mean, really good. Like, they, they, they shocked us, and that's all I could ever ask for when I'm watching wrestling, which would have been nice in the Ziggler match, I'm just saying. But. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good spots in it. The the splash off the turnbuckle into the table was cool. Really the good. Stomps, and then almost thinking Lesnar was going to get away with getting the stomps, but then it landed the F5, but he didn't, and then it got stomping. I mean, it was really good. There was lots of false yeah. finishes. There was lots of really cool stuff. Uh, I, I Like I said before, and I've said in the past, I, I'm not really into the whole Rollins thing right now. I don't love, love his character on TV. I don't love what they're doing with him behind the scenes, trying to make him cool, even though I don't know that he's coming across that way. Holding the universal title might be good, might not be good. I don't really know where they're going with it and who he's going against next. 
Um, but it looks like Strowman might be in that picture somewhere. He came out and helped him out against the OC on Raw, kind of held the went and got the title for him, gave it to Rollins, and kind of looked at him before he walked away, even though there was no real friction there. You could sense that they were building up to maybe something like that. Strowman yeah. wasn't even on SummerSlam, but now it looks like he's going to be a main player in that title picture. Is that a good or a bad thing? Um, it depends on where they go with it. I think that Strowman... I think it's, they, they waste opportunities like that all the time, and Strowman probably already should have been a champion. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let him let him be involved in it. Just you can't. How is Seth Rollins going to match up against Braun Strowman? That's my only concern. But, well, I mean, we, we like, said the same thing about Lesnar, right? Yeah, it's a lot different when the guy's six foot eight, three hundred and eighty-five pounds. <laughs> the guy's a, like, literally a monster. <laughs> like, well, I would I would have agreed with you if. If Strowman hadn't lost to Lesnar, hadn't lost to Reigns, hadn't lost to whomever, like they've they've already yeah, had. A I mean, Reigns too has beaten Big Show too, to be fair. So yeah. there are there are ways around it. Uh, before we do move on from uh, from SummerSlam, there are some like little points I want to bring out though. Uh, there was a moment when, first of all, Ricochet's outfit was horrible. That was that was stupid. I like when Corey Graves was like, "If you have abs like Ricochet, why would you want to have fake abs on your outfit?" Like, <laughs> it was just really funny. A good line. Yeah, uh, the, night, really the Night Watch outfit was not not a win for me either. No. Uh, there was a moment when he, like, walked off both of Gallows and Anderson's shoulder, and then Hurricane Rana uh, Styles, like, outside the ring. I yep. thought that was really good. I also thought that match was very disappointing. That match could have been a five-star match. If that match took place on NXT, I guarantee you they put on a five-star match. Because they're on the main roster, for some reason, these matches don't come across as five-star matches. It's weird. Uh, but, yeah, very disappointing, all things considered. I also thought uh, it, the the twenty four seven things like were really good. I think was it Shania Twain and D Wade Gretzky? Was that what oh the my characters gosh. were? <laughs> yeah, so that, funny. That was good. Shania Dwayne and Dwayne whatever. Yeah, that was, was good. Wade and Gretzky, I didn't expect yeah. it at all. All of a sudden they're panning through like they always do with the announce tables. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you see them dressed up. Our truth is the best. I mean that guy is so funny. And Carmella fits right in there. But I mean truth is just gold. Oh, he's he's so good. He's always been so funny, but there's also um, Drake like having like oh well it's Drake and obviously it was gonna be Drake Maverick when it came out with the when it was the new day saying they got someone for Kofi. Uh, there's also the uh, the Street Profits were like the original like, Toronto Raptors like purple and red colors that was their theme for the weekend. That yeah. was cool. Uh, on Takeover also uh, Gargano had like his whole like Wolverine like classic yellow and blue Wolverine uh, outfit. I thought that was really really cool. I also thought, oh, there's two things about the Bailey match, uh, two or three things, at least one, when this, there was the, uh, she had, like, a reverse Boston Crab, and, like, oh, like, they're, like, that's super innovative, that's really great, and I'm, like, what do you mean, like, there's no pressure being applied here, because you have, you have less leverage this way, if you're facing the regular way, you can pull backwards, facing forward, you're just pushing, like, this, this, it was stupid. I understand what well, they're going for, trying to be unique, but it was really bad. And she lost the grip on it one time, and Ember Moon just lifted her leg back up and said, oh, here, yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they also, she had a Bailey to Belly from the top rope, and the announcers were like, oh, like, that was, wow, Bailey, uh, Bailey to Belly from the top. And like, that was it. Well, where is the excitement? You used to do, like, any, like a superplex or, like, a DT or anything. Like, announcers used to be so good at hyping up moves. Doing anything for the top rope like that it would be a huge deal. And then this is like the first time I think we've seen her really like pull it off on the main roster. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I'm I wrong don't remember it's so forgettable. It, but... It's because they now just yeah. don't make it memorable. Remember when well, John Cena did like his first like uh, it was FU at the time, but off the top rope? Like that's crazy. 
or when he did yeah. like Edge and Big Show at WrestleMania, or like I think it was Edge off the top of the ladder onto the two tables. But you remember these moments, well, that's right because that's they were a, they're hyped up. That's a Jim Ross thing, right? Like there sure. there may not be a better guy in wrestling than Jim Ross to do that. But before I I leveled them too much for stuff like that, I I for sure believe. And I don't know this because no one said it to me, but I, I for sure believe that there is a mandate now that the announcers need to also get their characters over as well as call a match. So there's the calling the match aspect and selling the match aspect, but then there's also the like Corey Graves being as funny as he can possibly be, or Renee Young getting over as a female broadcaster, or whatever, 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 right? So I think that they're trying to walk that line between, you know, how, how does Corey Graves come across as the you know, the future new generation of the Jesse the Body of Ventura announcer style, right? Right. Like like he used to do back in the day when him and Vince would fight o- over the microphone all the time. Like that's that's hilarious. what they're doing, right? So in that they lose some of the match calling ability that but this you know, is the guy biggest like Jim Ross used to do so well. What's that? This is the biggest part of the match. It was the last move. Yeah. But I was gonna say some of the time they do it quite well. You know, they they oh, don't sure. there are definitely moments that people get like they overreact to how bad it is. I think that Michael Cole is actually really, really talented at what he does. But, I mean, it's not his fault that they have a certain way they want it done. Right? That's what we have to remember. They want it done a certain way. And well, and I'll, here, I'll, I'll give you an example of one that I really liked. And, and I think we're, we're, we're moving on to Raw now, right? Uh, so, real quick, there was the... Uh, the, we had the Ro- they, they showed Roman getting hit by the car again. Or whatever, yeah. like his car getting hit. There was an angle from the car that hit him. Where did they get that camera angle from? Oh, I didn't even notice that part. Yeah, I was like, how did you... The car, the car hits him, and we don't know who the guy is, but they got footage from inside that car? Got a dash like cam? That. Yeah, that's stupid to me. Another thing that I really didn't like, and I think that the... Uh, the fault here is more on... Uh, on There's no fault, sir. I think that this is probably an idea that Kevin Owens had, and it's just unfortunate that it happened to be done 24 hours earlier. But Kevin Owens, like, took a chair out. When the referee went to put it away, he turned on a low blow Shane, right? Cool spot. Really awesome spot. Really funny. The reason why I didn't pop for it is because Adam Cole did the exact same thing the night earlier. He had a chair. He gave it to the ref to take us out the ring. And then he low blow Johnny Gargano. Yeah. So if you do the same, I mean, it's the same thing. Jericho and Omega had, like, a huge spot they were going to do with their, their first, like, Alpha versus Omega match. And then some, like, mid-card talent before that did the exact same spot. And they're like... Well, we can't do that anymore. So, so sometimes it's just a, it's a product of, of what happens when, uh, w- when you have plans and, and other people also have the same plans. It's just bad timing. If this was actually booked this way and like the writers said, yeah, do this, and then the next night also do the same thing, I think that's lame. But uh, both spots well, we, have cool. to, we have to assume that they're talking to each other, right? Like we know that Shawn Michaels and Road Dog and Triple H are booking everything in NXT, and we know that different yeah. people are booking it on. SummerSlam. So whether they talked to each other or they watched the match or even knew that that happened, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you just see just one more thing on that? How strong is Brock Lesnar? First of all, he had no ads on his shorts. I also noticed that. I'm not sure if that's a new thing or if that's been that there for a while. But I thought that was cool. But he legitimately swung Seth Rollins like he had like the rib tape on him. He yeah. picked him up by the rib tape and swung him like a bag of potatoes. Well, everybody Seth is. Seth Rollins is like 215 pounds. Well, everybody said forever that Lesnar might be the strongest guy. John Cena may be the stronger of the two, but that Lesnar's just freakishly strong. Yeah, those two, Cesaro, and I mean, you had to put Braun Strowman and also Mark Henry. I'd say that's like your Mount Rushmore. 
Well, yeah, uh, I'm assuming that Braun Strowman's a strong guy and he's big. But I remember when he was carb depleting himself, trying to lose that weight for WrestleMania, and yep. how he could barely do anything. He he had trouble picking up just the most random person for a power slam because he was so carb depleted. But mm-hmm. that uh, you can't blame a guy for his diet affecting his strength. But I wouldn't put him in that category for something like th- like for those types of reasons. But Cena is legitimately strong. Cesaro is legit strong, and Lesnar. I don't know how strong that guy is because there's never really been like. He's never had that move. I mean, he used to pick up Big Show and give him an F5, and it wasn't really a problem. But he's, he's a bigger than guy. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he's, like, bigger than everybody. So you never see him pick up somebody who's bigger than him and go, wow, that was easy, because he's almost bigger than everyone. But, like, so you get that with Cesaro, and you get that with Cena, and you get that with the smaller guys who pick up all these guys. Not that any of them are small. But Lesnar is just, from everybody that you hear, he's just crazy strong. Like, yeah. that he can pick you up and make you feel like you don't weigh anything. And you know you do you're just like oh my gosh like you just hope he's not going to kill you yeah that's uh yeah. that's definitely i a, agree a though thing. watching him fling rollins around was pretty cool it was just crazy how strong the guy is like i said my yeah. Matt, Matt rushmore i mean all those all four of those guys are generally some of the or i guess all i said five people all five of those guys are generally some of the strongest people on the planet and that's crazy to me is yeah, there on your mount, your mount rushmore yeah yeah so i had cesaro uh, Lesnar, Strowman, and uh, Mark Henry. I know that's five. Oh, you're talking about a, a Mount Rushmore of strength. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought I missed that part. I thought you were talking about a Mount Rushmore of best wrestlers. I'm like, Whoa, oh no, you're gonna I have a whole lot of people chewing you out for Lesnar <laughs> being included in that list. He's the longest reigning Universal Champion okay. in history. <laughs> yes. No, my, my Mount Rushmore. He's... I couldn't do it because like Undertaker never makes anyone's Mount Rushmore for some reason. But Undertaker's probably the best ever. Chris Jericho doesn't make the Mount Rushmore's. He could be the best ever. There's Stone Cold, there's The Rock, there's Hogan, there's Cena, there's Ric Flair. There's there's too many people, and I don't think it's it's fair to any of them to make a top four, top five. There's different yeah. eras. It's different. It, Harley Race could be on some some people's you know, Mount Rushmore's. You know, like it, it's insane. You can't possibly evaluate talents across eras, and there's too many superb talents in in history to pick four or five and say these are the best. Well, best right, ever is just way too generic a term. You got to define what you mean by best yeah. ever. Best like, gimmick it, ever, Undertaker. Sure, yeah, or most you know wrestler to create the most revenue, either Hogan Don't or Austin, Austin, right? Yeah, best in in ring performer, technical wrestler, Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Shawn Michaels, Depending on uh, uh, Bret Hart and Chris Jericho, I think would be three up there. Although, right, let's I would, be honest, yeah. people, no one will say this, but AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, like those, like uh, Okada, like these people. They're le- Daniel Bryan, they're legitimately up there for best ever as far as technical wrestling goes. But because we're in this era, you, for some reason, we're, we have a, a thing as a society where we don't like to put people as like present day people as the best ever. So that's why you have like some people saying like, oh, well, Michael Jordan is the best ever. And people would say, no, Will Chamberlain was the best ever. Now you have people saying LeBron James is the best ever. People say, no, Michael Jordan was the best ever. It's hard ever, to put but... the, these guys in those categories when their careers aren't over. It, yeah, it, that, that's fair. And also, it's hard to evaluate stuff when you're this close to it. Let, let things last the test of time and see how it lasts and see how people actually look at it. Uh, it's the same thing when you look at, like, anything. Quarterbacks, what history, the best, I don't know, the best hockey players ever. There, there's always different ways to evaluate. And, and if they last the test of time in your mind, it's also different. Some people are also great and are super underrated that you never even think about. Right, like, they'll never be on your top ten list or top five list. But they have legitimate claims. 
So when you have stuff like that, it, it's hard to do it. But yeah, no, as far as like Matt Rushmore's strength, Brock Lesnar has to be on it. I think it would be uh, irresponsible to not mention him, yeah. right? He's, nope. uh, he's freakishly strong. Yeah, I know. I agree. All right. We good there? We covered SummerSlam effectively, yep. you think? Okay. I think so. So here's, here's my takeaway from Raw and SmackDown this week. I think the moment of the week, the thing everybody is talking about, is the return of the boss. Sasha I Banks it. is back. She came out to destroy Natalia at possibly her weakest, most emotional moment. And then Was they her shoved actually... her right in the main event with Becky Lynch. Is she actually hurt, do you think? Natalia? Her arm? Yeah. Uh, I would guess no. Because I mean, the, maybe they're trying to write her off TV for a bit anyway. And because, like, you can't actually be injured and then beat her down like that, right? Like, yeah, no, no. I, 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 I think what they were doing was, one, Natalia, they were in Canada. So if, yeah. you, if you beat on the Canadian hero, you become a heel. If yeah, you beat on somebody with an, with an injury, you become a heel. And if you beat on somebody whose father passed away a year ago that day... <laughs> You are a heel. Like that, that is absolutely what they were doing. They were setting up every domino you could possibly set yeah, up. So the trifecta Banks of like heel building. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah, 101, right? Like that's what they were doing. And then it wasn't just that, that, if that wasn't enough, and it was to me, then to immediately thrust her into the Becky Lynch storyline. Now, I mean, you can't, I, I don't know. I don't care. I don't know what Banks' deal was and why she was complaining and bitching and moaning and whining or whatever, but you cannot tell me that you have a right to whine anymore. Like, you are now back. You were the heel boss character that you probably wanted to play the whole time. Oh, and by the way, you're wrestling the most popular woman, maybe superstar, in wrestling. You're now in the program with her. Like, yep. what can you? what else can you ask for upon your return, right? The title. Yeah, and maybe they'll give it to her, right? Like, if they're playing up this heel character just enough that they really want to get her over as the boss, the bad guy, I mean, she's going to steal that title from Lynch, and people are going to go nuts for it. Let her win it and actually keep it for more than a month this time, though. All That's what I would rings, do. She's like the Jeff Hardy of, of, of the women's division, where everyone wants her to win, and she wins, and then she loses it immediately. They also, they yep. both have colored hair. Like, it's the perfect comparison. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> think, I think Lynch is you know, popularity has waned enough that you can give the title to somebody else and probably should give the title to somebody else and let her try to chase back for it because that's where people liked her anyway. But Sasha Banks, this is a perfect opportunity as a heel to give her something heelish to do, which is, even though Lynch's popularity has has kind of been drowned out a little bit with the whole Seth Rollins thing, She's still popular enough that you don't expect her to lose. So if Banks beats her, now you've really got two really popular female stars. You can throw on the other brand, Sasha or Charlotte Flair, and then eventually if Ronda Rousey comes back, you know you've got some really good high-end female stars. Shayna Baszler also could be that if they're smart with her. So they, yeah, that's a waste way. I think, but. Yeah, yeah, but I just mean you know, they, they have they, Bailey, Alexa, but they have a really talented roster. Um, but like you said, of like mega stars, you could have Sasha, Becky, you could have the whole of the four horsewomen, right? Like it could be perfect. And finally, what we need, because Bailey is really starting to look great too. Yes. Yeah. Like they've done the right thing him. with Bailey. It's about time. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Well, here's what I thought was so interesting with the bank stuff is that they, they did the double cross really well. They came out, they brought the character back. That we, but you know what? I don't think they were expecting that 
people were going to cheer for. I mean, it's Toronto, so it's the crazy center of the universe when it comes to wrestling. Oh, they but cheered like crazy. They love thank it, and they're you, like, thank, thank you, you, Sasha. Like, they're chanting I wrote that Sasha down Banks. to make sure I talked about it. Thank you, Sasha. For no reason. We talked about how, like, well, it's good to have, like, for all the reasons of, like, making a heel, like, you know, the father died, the Canadian, so you're talking about the hometown, hometown, like, home country hero, um, uh, the, the, you're talking the baby face, right? Like, everything about it was perfect, except the crowd was like, well, thank you. Why? Why are you thanking her for, for attacking the person who we just talked about, having all these moments and all these things going for her? But it, it's just, I mean, I agree. I was also super happy to see her. If you didn't pop and you weren't happy to see Sasha Banks, then you just want to look for a reason to be mad, right? Yeah, yeah there was, there's two two explanations for me for why that happened. One, Toronto's crazy. They're like Chicago. Yeah. They're like other – like they just chant random stuff yeah. to be a part of the show and then try to take it over. So they, they do that. But take two, I think Toronto? there's – Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, just, there's just more excitement about the idea that Sasha Banks is a heel than people felt sympathy for Natalia. And people probably did feel sympathy for Natalia, and they did that all right. But people wanted Sasha Banks to be the heel boss so badly that now that she finally is, they're just so relieved. There was a, and I think that that's the other that's the other reason that that happened. I agree with you. When when Natalia, well, this is the last thing we'll say about this, I guess, with the Sasha Banks stuff because I mean, it was huge. The wig was cool too. I thought it was really funny. But uh, when Natalia started talking about her dad, and I was like, all right, like, come on, why are you going to milk this for so long? And then she's like, you know, it was a year ago today. I was like, all right, now I feel like a jerk for, for for complaining about it. Thank you, Natalia, for making me hate you even more. But now I feel bad for hating you. It was just horrible. It was just a vicious cycle. I was like, I'm going to stop thinking about this. And then uh, Sasha's music hit, and I was like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it was very well done. Um, I don't know what else to take out of necessarily Raw and SmackDown this week. I mean, there was no Fiend. There was no Roman Reigns on Raw, although they did kind of continue the storyline on SmackDown with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan apparently knows who attacked him and is going yeah. to reveal that next week. I guess the other big takeaway from Raw and we'll be leading into Raw and SmackDown is the return of the King of the Ring. We should probably I can't wait talk to talk about that because like, next week would be great. But I mean, there are some people that I think could do really, really, really good things with that. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I think very reasonable people I could win. Uh, Prince Puma, Ricochet, Becoming King Ricochet, that'd be cool. My first yep. thought was Cesaro. That would be the perfect person to win this. Um, Andrade could be interesting. Uh, you know, really good heel character. Usually it's a heel that wins these things, right? Uh, Typically, yeah. Kevin Owens could be cool. But yeah, I think Cesaro would be perfect. Ricochet could be interesting, like I said, because of just the Prince Puma thing. But that's really the only connection. And Andrade, because finally they can do something with him. But I, I'm excited for King of the Ring. I haven't been for a long time, but... This uh, the lineup is really good. The roster is really good. So like just top to bottom, we talk about it a lot. And I'm shocked that we don't have more five star matches. But at the same time, it is what it is. It's not wrestling. It's sports entertainment. I think we have to remember that whenever we watch Raw, AEW and WWE can't be compared. Right? WWE cannot be compared. Even NXT and WWE cannot be compared in a way. So. Yeah. Well, I was a little worried when when King of the Ring was first announced because it appeared the way the promotions were being built, that they were shoving it all into Raw next week. And so yeah. they just sort of sprung it on everybody and said, hey, on Raw next week. And then they said starting on Raw. And I'm like, okay. And then they revealed on WWE.com afterwards the 16 competitors. And so I'm like, okay, well, there's 16 people. There's not enough time yeah. on Raw 
to do all your all segments matches and all that. In. I mean, you're talking about eight matches, and then you're talking about semifinals and finals. And so I'm like, okay, they're not doing that. So Plus then you have I have all the other segments you have to get into the show. Yeah. So as I'm reading more and more and more, I'm realizing here's what they're doing. They're taking eight from Raw, eight from SmackDown. And from that, you can probably pick four guys that will move on pretty easily and four guys that won't. Like you can get yep. your Shelton Benjamins, you can get your Chad Gables, you can get your Sami Zayn's, you can get your Apollo Crews. You know those guys aren't going anywhere, right? Yep. So they're they're your jobbers on the two shows. So that whoever's facing them is going to move on. You know that. So the the tournament becomes a little bit more predictable in that way, you know. But there are a lot of guys on here that I could see doing quite well, whether it's Kevin Owens or. Drew McIntyre might be one to Drew win McIntyre it. I could see them giving yeah. it to Baron Corbin just to make him the heel of all heels, right? Oh, it's going to be uh, Baron Corbin. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not, perfect, like, he's not yeah. the guy anybody wants to win, but he's so good at being the heel. King Corbin, yeah. This is the kind of character that he would really milk, right? So that yeah, I think Baron Corbin gets a lot of hate when he's the perfect heel. You want to hate him, right? He's yeah, not bad in the ring. That's he's the not point. bad on the mic anymore. So you just, you just at this point you just want to hate him, which means he's doing his job right. Yeah, yeah. What you want to do is kind of look for a guy that you think would maybe be the king. You know, like dress the part, wear the crown, do this stuff. And who yeah. from this group would do that? I mean, Baron Corbin. Cesaro yeah. could also pull it off, like I said. But uh, I mean, I really want to see what they do with Cesaro. I hope they use him properly. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I have a feeling he's probably going to be one of the jobbers in the group, which is unfortunate, but you know, it'd be it'd be nice to see him win the thing. Yeah. All right. That was uh is that everything you want to talk with Ron Smackdown? Oh, bless you. Um I don't yeah, think much probably, happened other than those two things, right? That yeah, the SmackDown wasn't terribly eventful for me. I didn't It was find really it. uneventful, if anything. It was yeah. two hours of almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. Not, not much a bad came out show, of it. just nothing like uh, it was like the equivalent of a Saudi Arabia pay per view. Yeah, there were just... <laughs> there were good matches on the show, but nothing that you would write home about and be like, "Oh man, we got to tune this." Other than the Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns thing, which maybe yeah, you were thinking built for okay. the, the statement. Yeah, the, the yeah, carrying that forward to next week, what's going to happen there? But yeah, King of the Ring kind of took the the cake. Sasha Banks' return kind of took the cake. Um, and I do like the idea that they're setting up the beginnings of a potential Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins battle at some point, but that the OC is intertwined in this whole thing is kind of cool too, because they are the, the leading heel faction in WWE right now, you know, at least on the main roster. I love that they're involved in this because like, what if they end up, what if Balor ends up coming back and and they have all four titles? Like, I don't know. There's possibilities here. But yeah, the OC, I don't think it's going to last long enough to where Balor will come back and then be involved with Seth Rollins. But the fact that they're they're making them prime players like this, I, I enjoy. I, as an AJ Styles fan and a Bullet Club fan, I may be sure on my colors here, but I, I think I do that pretty often anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. The only other thing that I would say that I, I noticed from, I think it was Raw, was the Rey Mysterio segment where mm-hmm. he battled... Andrade in a two out of three falls match and lost both falls pretty quickly. I like that though because they showed the segment backstage where he was like almost in tears talking about his future in wrestling. I thought the timing was interesting considering that it's out there right now that he would go to AEW if he had the opportunity to do that. So I don't know if that's a play on you know things that are out there or if they put that out there or if he's you know actually going somewhere with whatever it is they're doing here, but. You know, I thought that was interesting. I do like when they give, you know, the guys who are losing 
you know, some storyline about their losing. I do yeah, like that's that. Yeah, that's what I'm but... saying. I, I like that what they, they did with it because it, they're showing you that you can lose and then they can use it to your advantage later. And also, yeah. I also loved the fact that he lost two straight falls because we never see that in three and in, in WWE at least with two or three falls matches. It's always uh, the final deciding match that'll that'll be there. So it's cool to finally see at that point, like, oh, well, he lost straight sets. That's cool. Sucks for him. But I like that they were able to realize that it's not always going to be uh, a two out of three falls match going to the third fall. Yep. No, it was good. And I think the only, the only thing I would maybe mention or worth mentioning was that the match between Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy on SmackDown Live was quite good. Yes, Buddy Murphy is so good. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm surprised really- it wasn't on SummerSlam, but... Roman Reigns is is very quickly, in the minds of the fans, too, becoming a megastar. Like, he is the face of the company. People understand it. They haven't even brought him for his titles, and he's still huge. So you don't have to make him the champion to make him your big star, right? They're doing it properly this time. Well, and he he's showing that he can wrestle. You know, like, yeah. that he's not just the five moves of doom kind of guy, that he isn't just a, a guy they're pushing that can't wrestle, that he can actually go in the ring. I mean, his spear to Buddy Murphy, where they both almost flipped over completely. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And the, and the timing's good, too, right? Like, you've you got Reigns coming off of a movie where he's in Hobbs and Shaw. He just signed a new multi-year extension with WWE in July, so he's not going anywhere. And there was some buzz or concern that maybe he'd you know, lean towards Hollywood in the next couple of years and take off in three or four years, but it sounds like he's going to stick around for a while, so that's good. You know, you've got a guy who maybe was shoved down people's throats a little bit too much and the fans got sick of them. But they've pulled that back a lot. They've just, you yeah. know, no pun intended. They pulled the reins back on Roman Reigns and they're not pushing it down your throat anymore, which is kind of laying people. I, Rollins has almost taken his spot as the whipping boy that everybody loves to hate on right now. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, that's WWE fans, right? That, that's that's fans of anything in general. You'll always, there's always people that hate the guy at the top there's always some people that love the guy at the top. It is what it is. It's easy to hate someone that you see the most because they, you get the most exposure to them. But uh, both Rollins and Reigns are great. I think that WWE is doing a good job with Reigns right now, and and the fans are starting to acknowledge it. And also, I mean, he's gone through a lot, so good for him for coming back and, and showing that, hey, I'm more than you thought I was, and good for the fans for being able to say, hey, we were wrong. That's also good for the fans for being able to acknowledge that. Yeah. All right. I have one more thing I want to cover before we let people go. If you've got a few seconds to do it and it isn't WWE related, it's AEW related. Never heard of it. Yeah. They, they've signed. He might be one of the most unique people in wrestling right now. He's completely different than anything else you'll ever watch on television or see at a show. And he's made, he's like, He's like uh, the the you know the penis dude that kid everybody, but he's not. He's he's working in slow motion for all of his matches. Sometimes he goes so slow he falls asleep in the ring. His name is Orange Cassidy, and AEW has officially signed him to a contract. Before I tell you my thoughts, what are your thoughts on this? Orange Cassidy is the best wrestler on the planet. I love Orange Cassidy, so I'm all here for it. <laughs> are you being serious in that answer? No, no, I love Orange Cassidy. I love I hate Orange him. Cassidy. Hate him with Love a passion. So this will make this will make for interesting stuff. I hate the fact that there's a guy who is going to get any more attention than maybe a thirty second spot on it. Like he was Have fine when he was matches? in the. Like, what's that? Have you seen his matches? He's so funny. 
Yeah, he's funny, but that's all he is, right? That's all he And so how do, you, how do you become AEW, promote the snot out of the fact that you're going to be the best wrestling company on the face of the world, that you're, you're building your brand based on that you're going to be the best in-ring product and that your wrestlers are better than everybody else. Oh, and then, by the way, you give this guy a contract who can't do much more than one-minute spots at a time, who is funny, yes, but you have to take in small doses. And how are you going to do a full match like that and anyone's going to take it seriously? He's like, I don't mean to be whatever, but he's like Eugene of AEW. I mean, watch, do me a favor, I don't know if you've seen it, watch Orange Cassidy versus Gentleman Jervis. That match is like 15 minutes long, and it's really good, and it's really funny. And I think these gimmick matches are fine. I think AEW's already proven they're fine with gimmick matches and stuff, so that's that's cool with me. Uh, he's not going to be a primetime player on the show. He's not going to be your world champion, so I've got no issue with it. I'd prefer to see him on AEW than I would in WWE because they wouldn't. He would just be a one-off thing there. In AEW, at least you can use him regularly, um, and he's not going to show up on every single show either. Like, well, that, no that's what my that's my point. Is that's my problem with it, right? If you're giving him a contract where you're using him regularly on TV. It's going to get old and boring fast. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if you that. bring him into AEW on a pay-per-view in a segment with Tommy Jeremy in the Casino Battle Royale, or you put him on WWE programming and he's the com- comedic act like the Hurricane or R-Truth or whatever. Like, put him in the 24-7 title hunt, fine. Totally funny. Totally what it is, and that's all it's going to be. But when you give this guy a contract and you tout that, you know, Orange Cassidy is coming to AEW, I mean, what are you going to do with the guy? Right, Man, like, it's amazing. I can't believe because we usually agree on mostly everything. This is going to be so fun for us forever because I mean we're going to disagree on him, and I think maybe you'll change your mind. Maybe I'll change my mind, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I won't. Orange Cassidy is so good. No, I'm not saying he's a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong. But well, he is very- actually. The funny thing is, he is a good wrestler because I've seen him wrestle when he doesn't do this shtick, right? And I have no issue with the shtick or the gimmick. I have an issue with how much they're going to use it. And I get well, the I mean, sense. You don't know how much they're going to use it. But. Well, I get the sense from the promotion, the fact that they're giving him a contract, that they're going to use it. I mean, right? I'm saying how much they're going to use it. If they don't use it every single week on TV, then I'm going to. Or even if they use it like small little segments, I don't know. I think they can do a good job with it. We'll have to see, obviously. But uh, for now, yeah, I'm I could be, I, I could I'm be proven wrong, but I just get the sense that this is not. This is going to be a short-term thing that people like. And then it's going to get really old really quick. And if they're looking for two-hour content on TNT and they figure, well, he's going to fill every a few minutes of every show, pff, yikes. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, excited for it. So and it's, the please. issue for me is that that they're taking the high and mighty road or that they're the best wrestling product in the world. That's what bothers me, right, is that you're, you're trying to take the stance that you're better than these other guys because you have better wrestlers, and then you do this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I get it. You want to have, a, like, even Cody Rhodes said it. He learned from Eric Bischoff. You got to have a little bit of something for everybody, right? So you got to have the best wrestling. You got to have some funny. You got to have some, you know, women. They got to, and they said they're not going to do intergender wrestling, which I get. Impact is doing that and they're doing it well. But whatever the case is, they're not going to do that. But you're bragging. Like, you're Cody Rhodes and you're talking shit about the fact that WWE can't hold a candle to you in terms of your actual in ring wrestling product. And then you sign this guy. Yeah, like, I mean, this I see what you're saying. Guy, subcontract this guy and bring him on your pay-per-views every once in a while, but you signed this guy. You signed him, like, for however long and however many shows he's going to do, right? That's not the best wrestler in the world. At least I not mean, the way that he's been I, presenting himself. I agree. He's not the best. I, I, I see what you're saying. I understand your argument. I disagree with with 
hating the signing, but I understand what your concern is with it for sure. Yeah, well, we'll find out, right? Like, come October, we'll see what they do with him and how often they use him. And I, I'm going to get the sense, and you'll probably win the argument for the first few weeks that, that oh, they did this really well, this was a really good segment. And I'll agree with you that they were probably good segments. I'm yeah. just wondering how long over time. It's yeah, like, this, okay. this for you is a long-term thing. You can't look at it after the first week and say, ha, you were wrong. No, of right. course not. You're yeah. saying in the long term, this is going to be old fast. And we'll see. Maybe it will get old. But, I mean, this is the thing. We have to, we have to visit this, like, six months down the line, a year down the line kind of thing, right? We can monitor and talk about it, but we got to revisit the conversation about who was, you know, quote-unquote right and wrong. There is no yeah. right and wrong. <laughs> we, you don't, we don't know. We, just, we talk on a podcast every week. Like, <laughs> there's, no, uh, there's no right or wrong in this industry. Unless you're Dolph Ziggler winning matches, then it's right. And if you lose, that's wrong. But other than that, there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to bring that up because I saw that they signed him. I saw how much they were pushing it, promoting the idea that he's coming in like it's some big you know, free agent acquisition. And I thought, huh, interesting. You know, of all the guys that they could sign, of all the guys that they say they aren't looking for new talent. I mean, they've Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, these guys have all come out and said, we're not looking actively for new talent. We have a roster. And then this is the guy that they they get, right, that they're promoting and they're actively signing and saying, hey, look who we just signed. Like, I thought that was quite interesting. So we'll see how it plays out. But um, that was definitely the thing. I guess the one thing we should probably chat about a little bit is that All Out is coming in a matter of two weeks. You know, that that pay-per-view is right around the corner. And I haven't heard a single lick about CM Punk in weeks. No. So, I mean, I guess, like, that's kind of what our show is going to be focused on next week. Uh, King of the Ring and All Out. Yeah, a little little teaser for the uh, the audience. Yeah, well, let, we'll save it. We'll see if anybody chats about Punk in the next few days because it's it's sort of just died right off the face of the planet. There was all sorts of talk, and I haven't heard anything about it at all since then. So I haven't even heard them talking much about his Starcast appearance, which we know is happening. So yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any more buzz around that. So I haven't heard actually a lot of steam other than the TNT announcement. There hasn't really been a lot of steam for AEW at all, and that's pretty rare. There's usually a lot of things going on and a lot of conversations that are happening, um, but there hasn't been in the last week. So I don't know if that's a sign of things not really happening in AEW or the fact they haven't had a pay-per-view in a while, or there's just been so much to talk about with WWE that we're sort of forgetting and putting AEW in the background. But we'll we'll definitely chat about them next week. We'll break down you know, the all-out card a little bit, and we'll talk about the first week of the King of the Ring. Yep, sounds good. Cool, man. All right, I'll let you go. I appreciate you chiming in. We got more than 45 minutes out of you, so that was awesome. Thank you very much. And um, Hope the quality wasn't too bad for the audience. but uh, I'm sure it was just fine. I'd rather have the show done with this quality than not have it done at all this week, right? Especially after the pay-per-view. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, I will, uh, I'll talk to you next week. And, and for everybody else, this has been another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com and Wrestling Write-Ups. And we will... Uh, hear from you, talk to you, and uh, chat at you next week.